the Brand Herald podcast, where leaders explore how great brands are built. Join Landon Wade, owner of Goodson Clothing and Supply Company, as he interviews business leaders and marketing experts to learn about the successes and failures of building great brands. One last thing, the views and opinions shared by our guests do not necessarily reflect our own. Enjoy the show. Okay, we're live, and uh, I want to first. I want to welcome everybody to another episode of the Brand Herald podcast. I'm Landon Wade, the owner of Goodson Clothing and Supply, and uh, uh, I'm excited to have Jeff Arsenault here with me today. He's the director of marketing for Clayton and Croom. And uh, first, really quick, Jeff, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited about today. Yeah, me too. Um, can you just give us a few minutes, Jeff, about yourself? Help people get to know you a little bit, kind of where you were born and raised, and uh, and and kind of what brought you to Kentucky. Yeah, so actually, uh, born in Connecticut, um, moved to Louisville when, when I was two, nineteen ninety two. So, I uh, grew up here in in Louisville, and so I uh, went South Autumn High School. I found myself down in Atlanta for college, and I went to Oglethorpe University. I played soccer there and really enjoyed it. Uh, my last year in college, I uh, interned at a, a marketing agency. Uh, it's called Havas. Their experiential wing was actually in Atlanta, and so that's where I work for specifically. And so. We work for some some pretty big brands, putting on some awesome events uh, throughout the country, and so it was financial institutions to uh, CPG brands and and all the above, and that was a really like invaluable experience for me, and it was really awesome. And so lived in Atlanta. Uh, my girlfriend at the time, now wife, was also met in Atlanta from Louisville. Uh, that's just how, how that's it crazy. Works. Uh, so she was coming back to Louisville to go to law school, and so I figured, hey, this is my time to uh, to to come home, and so actually came back, started working at Churchill Downs, uh, still a place that's near and dear to my heart. I worked in the sponsorship uh, department there, and, and that was a lot of fun. A uh, little little corporate for me. I'm more of the entrepreneurial, fun-spirited, uh, kind of all over the place. And so maybe my personality didn't fit as well, but still love the place. And, and we got to put on the largest sporting event in the whole entire world. And that was a massive production and, and, and really cool to see. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I wanted to start my own business and that's kind of where Clayton and Kroom came in. I was looking for a startup to, uh, to work for. I felt like, Hey, if I'm going to do my own thing, then, uh, you know, the best place to, to, to start is by, you know, finding someone that's doing it themselves as well. And so I was sitting on the couch one day and I looked down and at the coffee table and there's a little bag that said Clayton and Kroom. And I remember my wife gifting me something for, for the holidays. Um, and I was like, I wonder what these guys are doing. So actually, uh, went, went, went on their website, found one of the owners, Tyler Jury, figured that, uh, found out that his wife and I went to, to high school together and his, her mom was actually my counselor. And so made some introductions that way. I actually emailed Tyler in January of 2016 and he emailed me back three or four months later. Uh, so, <laughs> three, three or four months. He was really checking the email. Like. He was, he was in dental school at the time. I get it. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, he, he shot me an email back. We had spent some time just chatting and figuring out like, you know, what my vision was for, for what Clayton and Kroom had going on. And, and really it was a come learn how to flip the burgers before you sell them kind of thing. So next day I was in there and I, uh, started making wallets and you really don't want me on a sewing machine. I'm better off, <laughs> better off on the computer. Uh, but that's kind of the rest the rest is history. That's been just celebrated my seventh year at, at Clayton and Kroom. And there was, I think three or four of them at the time. And uh, now we got a, a pretty big team here in Louisville, a couple spaces, a couple retail spaces. So yeah, it's, that's been exciting. That's my, that's a quick synopsis of my story. No, it's great. I, I, I appreciate it. I, you know, I, 
one of the things I really uh, well, there were two questions that came up while I was listening. Um, you said experiential, I think, division when you were talking about the organization you worked with in Atlanta, and I just wanted to kind of key on that, just because I don't necessarily know what's meant by that, and I think it'd be helpful for anyone listening to just so tell me what 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 was meant by like experiential? Was it more like you were doing activations for those brands, or tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, you got it. That's that's exactly right. So they would have this big marketing initiative, like Keurig was one of our big clients, and you know they were pushing this one you know new brewer that they had come out with, and so they had re- reached out to our agency and said, "Hey, we want to take this thing to the five biggest cities in the U.S. We want to put a team together and go to events all and and just like activate through the cities." And so yeah, it was uh, nonstop Monday through Sunday events popping up, doing a lot of sampling. Um, Wells Fargo was another big client and they were, you know, their, their larger marketing campaign. Part of it was boots on the ground, guerrilla marketing style also through events. And that was their experiential, you know, component of it. And so I got to see that from the strategy side of it, which was really nice on, you know, seeing the high level of it, but also the execution side. And that just had built, like I said, invaluable experience of just juggling many different brands, um, all at the same time, but also like everybody has different goals, everybody has different KPIs. And so uh, when you're in it, it's it's busy and it's fun and th- there's a lot of travel. But it was uh, the agency, the agency live, I always recommend to people just because there is uh, there's something to be said about juggling all those projects and seeing different you know organizations have different goals and be able to use your brains in, in different ways and execute that and be able to help them kind of reach their their larger goal. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. The other the other point that had kind of stuck out to me was that I really latched on to when you had shared a little bit of the story of how you came to Clayton and Kroom was this idea that you wanted to start your own company, but you felt that it would be a really good idea to find a startup. So you kind of had jumped straight to the fact that you reached out to Clayton and Kroom. But as I recall from our conversation, you kind of talked about your initial objective was I was you were generally looking for kind of a an early stage startup company and Clayton Croom was one, but you were, so anyway, just maybe just speak to that a little bit, kind of like your philosophy there was like, Hey, I'm going to get in early and learn as a way of eventually starting my own company, which you've yet to do. Uh, yeah, I thought I, I thought I knew it all at the time, but I felt like there was still, uh, some things I really didn't know. And now seeing it for seven years, there's, I've learned so much at, at being kind of at a startup to now probably small to medium sized business. But, uh, yeah, just, you know, for me, it's a, an entrepreneurial thing. I've, I've always, my brain has always ticked that way and, and I've always had the itch to, to do it. And so, uh, when, when, when I was looking at, you know, it's, it's a, this was 2016. I was 24 years old, 25 years old. I dumped my 401k. I said, Hey, I got six months to live off of this. Like, you know, what can I do? And that, that that's like a, that that's a tough situation to be in. You know, obviously there's no capital. It's kind of boots on the ground. And I threw, I threw out so many ideas. I was at coffee shops every day, meeting with different people, some of my friends. And we, we had a couple of businesses kind of in, in line, but I just felt like at that time it was, it would have been really a, a good idea to find a startup that was kind of in its infancy stages and seeing what they're doing and how they're doing. Also, the, the Clayton Kern brand to me was from an outsider's perspective, I was really attracted to. I thought yeah. the, the products they were making, how they were doing things, how they you know presented themselves you know in, in the market was was really cool yeah. and special. And so there was a little bit of that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. Tell me about, you, you kind of mentioned a little bit of this, but when we talked, but tell me about the early days kind of, you know, I think you had shared with me that you just spent a lot of time with Clay and and Tyler, just really learning. So, so tell me about that. I mean, it's just that it was a, it was what four four of you, maybe five of you, and you're coming into this position that was created. I mean, it didn't exist before you you joined them, right? And then you're trying to figure it out and learn. Basically, you're coming in. There's no there's no brand standards. There's no processes. There's no nothing. There's just trying to get inside the heads of the guys that founded this thing and figure out how to get what's in their head out, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. I think at that time there was maybe a, a logo with an anchor with a rope around it. And I think it was going for like the Southern Tide look and feel. Um, but no, I mean, th- they had something cool going on. And I think what the biggest thing um, that I thought part of the success and a big pillar of the businesses is, and one of our values today is whatever it takes. And I think at that point, we were making, we were selling, we were marketing, we all did it all. And that still to this day r- remains true. But I think as in a startup, startup world, you have to have that, that mindset and that attitude. And so I didn't come in guns a blazing saying, Hey, this is what we're going to do on a marketing front. Um, it was, Hey, let's make, let's sell. And then we'll figure it out as, as we go along the way. And so I think that was just a, a a pivotal moment, but also just a a good foundation for a startup business for, for people to have is, is to make sure we can all kind of do it all. Um, I wasn't the best maker, that's for sure. But um, there were some other it's things. A good thing that, it looks like to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, there were some other things that I did did really well. So no, that's I, I like it, and I think what's interesting to me about that is I I think you know I think in marketing a lot of times we all jump to tools really really quickly. I mean, we live in an age where there's just a lot of tools, you know. Um, but kind of getting immersed in the brand and understanding what the brand is. Um, and it really has to start there in a lot of cases because before you start deciding what to do and how to do it, um, you know, you got to really understand understand the brand. Talk a little bit about, um, if you don't mind, the, the, the uh, you said you called it an identity crisis. I think this was a really excellent topic um, for you to kind of talk through uh, that you guys had in 2018, 2019. Kind of like, what what'd you mean by that? How'd you guys work through it? <clears throat> yeah, it's funny thinking about that now. Um Back then, we, you know, we were making, I, Clayton Kroom started w- like with a tailgating belt. Clay had made this, he, he, he seam ripped a dog leash. He stitched it onto some leather and made this like cool tailgating belt. And all of his friends in college thought it was awesome. And that's kind of how it all started with like a single belt. And that was in 2012 in, in his dorm room. And, and we continued that effort of tailgating belts per se, like using canvas, putting it on leather and selling it. And we, they sold really well. It was like our number one product and we were slinging them like crazy. But the issue that we were having was people weren't buying Clayton Kroon products because they were made by Clayton Kroon. People were buying Clayton Kroon products because it had a, a logo of a mm. team that they really liked or a, you know, a college that they really liked. And so we, we really looked at that and said, hey, if we want to be this premium, you know, high quality leather goods brand that we're going to last for the next 50 to 100 years, like there might be something here that says like we might need to step away from that and kind of push into this like higher quality premium leather goods brand versus, you know, just this like kind of Southern collegiate style. And so we hit this like, you know, kind of identity crisis. And, you know, we were at I think we were at Red River, River Gorge and we all sat there and it was like a big thing. It was like, hey, we're cutting collegiate belts. And that was like, you know, hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars worth of, uh, you know, a part of the business that we were just like getting rid of. And so uh, that was kind of an identity crisis. And and part of that, that conversation, which to me was a pivotal moment kind of in my, my career at Clayton Kroom is, <clears throat> you know, it would have been really easy for us to take our products, go out west, slap it on some mountain climber and said, hey, we're Patagonia or hey, we're North Face. Um, or it would be easy for us to go to you know New York and put a nice suit on and sl- sling a messenger bag across our across our chest and walk down Fifth Avenue and call us J. Crew or Banana Republic. Um, and we kind of sat there and all talked about it and we just decided like we were neither of those and we wanted to be our own thing. And we were this like 
kind of weird Midwestern slash Southern brand, but elevated and, you know, in, in a way and not luxury, but not, you know, our wallets are 185 bucks for a reason. And so you can really look into that and we add value there and the, the reason why. Um, so it's just this weird, like kind of combination of, okay, we're not at West. We're not, you know, New York J crewish. We are just like, we're paving this path that essentially has been unpaved, unpaved. And that is like the, the most beautiful thing and from a marketer and also the most challenging thing mm-hmm. because we're not opening a playbook and saying, Hey, here's page one to page a hundred ready, set, go. We're opening up a, a playbook that is blank. And we're like, you know, we're, we're essentially writing our own playbook. And I think that's uh, where m- what I've like got the most out of, out of Clayton cream thus far. And I think has helped us propel us kind of, it's our differentiating factor, right? It's, it's, the, the perception and the aesthetic and the branding and the look and feel and lifestyle that we portray and put on through these beautiful leather goods uh, and products that, that we make is, is uh, our differentiating factor, in my opinion, from the rest of the market out there. Yeah, I thought that that, that whole thing was, as we talked about that, I thought it was really interesting because I do think that it's really easy to, um, I guess, for more, more or less, look at something that's been done and it's worked and kind of just, you know, put your own spin on it and, and but it, it takes a fair amount of discipline to um, to realize, hey, we're not we're really not any of those things. We've got to figure out, A, what we are, which I think, honestly, that's one of the biggest challenges most businesses have is really just being able to really answer the question. I mean, we talk a lot internally here about communicating the personality of our company um, that at a high level, that's the objective of all the marketing we do. One of the things I really latched onto that you said yesterday I thought was excellent is uh, you've made the statement, talk, make sure that you're talking to the customer and not yourself. Um, and so before we get to that, I, you know, this really is a great segue into like, as you're going through that identity crisis and you're kind of identifying who you are, I ask this question and sometimes I feel like it can, well, I'll see how you handle it. So I usually say, how would you define the Clayton and Kroom brand kind of as it stands today uh, in comparison to other, just how would you define it? Well, <clears throat> like I said yesterday, there at some point, any guy probably in his 20s or 30s had thought about potentially making some sort of leather goods in his basement or in his garage. Um, and there's, there's a lot out there and there's a lot of really, really good makers out there. Um, for us, the, the way that we wanted to move forward in the business was just a little bit, a little bit different. You know, we wanted to, to make goods at scale. We wanted to, to grow the business. And that really came from, I think the vision of, of Tyler and Clay, but also a couple of the guys that had started really early was, Hey, you know, how, how, Hi, how fast, how far can we take this thing? And so I think from our perspective, we said, okay, like what are strategic investments we can make into the business that are going to help differentiate ourselves? Um, we have the, the the challenging part of of what we do is we have a manufacturing component. We also have this sales and marketing component. And a lot of people are, you know, ordering goods from overseas and, you know, they, it arrives on their front step and then they say, okay, we got a hundred of these, let's sell them. For us, it's, it's a little bit different. We can make a hundred in a couple of days. And if they sell really well, we can make a hundred the next couple of days. And so we have this, we have this tough manufacturing component, but it's also the, the beauty of it is we can be very flexible. We can be really nimble. Um, but I think our differentiating factor and the investments that we made into the business is like, we have this really beautiful aesthetic. Um, we have really high quality products. I always say like Clay and his team can make amazing, really, really nice 
leather goods, like our goal and my team's goal is never to devalue that through our marketing efforts, whether that be through photography, through videos, any kind of content copy. It's like, we have to add value to that. And, th- and he makes my, my job really damn hard because he, yeah. you know, him and his team make, make amazing stuff. And so we're always pushing the limits. We're always trying to set the bar super high to say, Hey, how can we push the envelope even a little bit more to, to differentiate ourselves where, this just feels like, you know, super, super, super nice. But it's also like you're you're just balancing this like rope of like luxury goods versus just like your elevated goods. And we don't yeah. want it. We're not the Louis Vuittons and we're not the, the Michael Kors. We we don't want to be. Um, we just want to we want people to stop on the tracks and say $185 for a wallet. Why? Because mm-hmm. we're confident that when you find out why you're going to buy that wallet, right? It's because of the leather that we use. It's because of the materials that we source. It's because of the craftsmanship that we put behind it. And uh, you lose a lot of that um, in 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 today's society. There's just not a lot of that out there. And so we know that the value is there. And so, um, yeah, we really just kind of double down on that every, every year in it. And we'll probably talk about it, but, but things change and and 2023 is different than the last couple of years. Yeah. No, I, it's it's excellent. I, I did want you to talk a little bit because another thing I thought was interesting was the conversation that we had about the confusing nature of genuine leather versus versus full grain leather. And then, you know, you and I talked a little bit uh, about this whole what you guys really are the antithesis to this disposable society that we live in now. You know, that thing that you guys say leather goods should last a lifetime. But yeah, talk about the uh, the genuine leather thing. Yeah, so <clears throat> we have this North Star of uh, something that we want to do at Clayton Groom is, is, is education, right? Leather education. Decades ago, overseas manufacturing became this large component of, of what we do here in the States. And so the gen, the, the leather business, full grain leather is the best leather that you can use. It's the outermost part of the cow, not to get into the, the, the details of it, but it's, it's protected from all elements. The fibers are really uh, tightly woven. And so those are like the, that's the really nice leather. Um, that's the stuff that's not going to fall apart as you get kind of closer into the cow, like the, the fibers loosen up and there's some leather that's just refinished. Um, genuine leather essentially is like the second lowest grade of leather and it's refinished and genuinely it's leather, but in our world, like genuine is just a marketing term. Like uh, genuine is a, is a positive connotation. Like you think genuine, you think authentic, you think it's real. Um, but actually it's just resurfaced leather that essentially is, is going to fall apart, um, after a couple wears. And so they've coined this genuine leather as we, as we know it, you know, regular people, uh, consumers, if you will, as, Oh, this is really nice stuff. This is genuine. It's authentic. It's real. It's actually the second lowest grade of leather. And that was really interesting to me because I was, I would have prior to sitting down with you yesterday, I would have been part of that group that probably would have been definitely misunderstood the word genuine in that context. And, um, so let's, let's shift gears. Um, and you kind of alluded to it a second ago. We talked about the fact that content, like, so now you've got this, you know, you, you join these guys really early. You guys have grown a lot. You've gone through this process of sort of revisiting and redefining the brand. You guys are growing and scaling the business. You mentioned, um, kind of, you know, so you, you got the web. That was the other thing that you said to me is I'm, I'm doing a little bit of thinking while I'm talking, which is you talked about how, you know, there was the retail part, but then you really dove into the online part, you know, relatively shortly after you got there. But then we talked about how content really changed last year. There was a big shift in content last year to being heavily video. Can you talk about that and how it's impacting how you guys reach customers uh, now? Yeah, I think it was <clears throat> 2017. Uh, 
we had run a, a Facebook, our first Facebook ad it was like October, November of 2017. I put $5 like on a sunglass strap ad and we had three sales and we were ecstatic at the time. <laughs> our online business wasn't our main focus. Our online business was, or our, our, our main focus was going to shows, malls, in-person sales. That was like the bread and butter for us. We thought that was the future. We thought, Hey, let's do, I mean, we did 79 shows in one year and every weekend wow. we were gone. We were just all over the place. We thought that was future. We said, Hey, how can we get to 140, 150 a year? Uh, but really we, you know, my, my idea, I think when I came into Clayton Crim, it's like, Hey, we have a lot of legs online. Like we can get a lot further with a lot less effort. Let's see what we can do here. So we started running Facebook ads in 2017 and, and we really, really haven't looked back. Um, that has been, it's been awesome for us. Um, things are, like you said, things are changing. It's, it's different. It was different back then. We were acquiring people at $2 a pop and it was <laughs> like, Hey, this is amazing. And every year it's just gotten more expensive. Yeah. Um, it gets so crowded. From, oh yeah. Crowded. And, and just, it, it's still great. We still use it all the time. Um, it's still our kind of a main driver for, for our online business. But yeah, back then it was, it was awesome. But from a content perspective, like, <clears throat> you know, things are, things are different these days. Right. So back then, you know, it was, we were just doing white background photos with some text overlay running them and they were great. And then, you know, I saw this, I saw this, I think it was a stat online. It was said like <clears throat> 85%. And this is funny to think about today, but it was like 85% of Facebook videos were watched without sound. And this yeah, is, that is crazy. 18 or 19. It's, it's, it's insane to think that was true back then um, as content is what it is today. And so uh, I said, Hey, like if we're going to push this envelope, like I was talking about earlier and raise the bar and try to keep this differentiating factor, which is essentially our brand and our aesthetic, like let's, let's team up with a, a super high quality production team that can make these essentially Facebook ads, films, commercials, whatever you want to call them. Uh, let's put text overlay on it and let's run it with, music instead of like no voiceovers, nothing. And instead of doing static imagery, let's do video. But as we do video, let's put text overlay on it and run it like this. And that was a, a strategy and a risk that we took. Uh, and it, it paid off uh, tremendously and it had paid off for the last three years. And it's been awesome. And we, <laughs> we continue to do it. Um, but really like 2023, honestly, we've been running that same strategy. And this past year, the Facebook ads didn't perform the way that we had hoped that they would perform. It was still good. It just didn't see this like, you know, we've been doubling every year for seven, eight years. And it's just, it's, it's insane. Just, it's kind of hard to keep up. Um, but you know, as you look at content and look at the world, like things are just changing. And so we kind of 2024 for me, my, my big word that I'm like running into for, for 24 is change. Right. And change is hard because, you know, you have to be, you got to be confident in it, but you also have to experiment and you have to be willing to fail. And we are going up against that. And so we're just going to, it's going to be change, but it's going to be experimental change. And so this year we're going to try different things. You'll probably see, you know, different pieces of content come out from us, but just try to get up with the times, but also, Hey, how do we, how do we push the envelope for Clayton Kerman and do it as a brand and balance that performance marketing efforts with our North star of like building this brand and being around yeah. for a hundred years. And so that's it. It's a, it's a fun balance. It's a fun challenge, but yeah, I mean, things are completely different today than they were then, but, uh, it's, you always got to continue to change. Yeah. Tell me about, so the, everything that you mentioned, this is a lot, it's a lot to do. It's a lot for any company to do and to do it well, make sure that, you know, imagery, copy, tone of voice, all those things are on, you know, on point. What way, tell me about kind of how you execute on all this. I mean, you're only one guy. So about maybe building your team, what's your team look like? Um, maybe what you guys are doing in terms of, 
you know, standards, guidelines, some of the things we talked about yesterday, creating, you know, framework for tone of voice, imagery, all the things, because as this thing has grown, obviously that workload has grown. Um, tell me how you're managing that. Uh, trying to manage it, maybe. <laughs> uh, it's difficult, right? It's a it's a living, breathing thing. This this brand is 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 ever changing, and the world's ever changing. And so, how do we keep up with that? But yeah, I mean, I have a rock star of a team. We again, this all it's funny that this whole conversation I feel like is just going back to this like differentiating factor for us is just this brand aesthetic. Like we value so much, even down to like the emails that we produce every day. Like we see those as like blank canvases and we want to paint a new picture every single day on an email. And so, uh, we have a team of designers, um, that sit within marketing and creative, they kind of sit together and I, uh, I oversee, see those. And so, uh, we have three designers an art director and, and two designers, and they are just incredibly talented people. And, uh, again, push, push us forward, um, as we're kind of ever changing, but, uh, from a design perspective, we centralize creative. So every department can kind of reach into creative and say, Hey, I need, you know, an email here. I need this social, I need this, uh, you know, piece of collateral, whatever that may be. And so, um, we've kind of centralized that, but still coming out with one cohesive voice. So we don't lose that, mm -hmm. um, aesthetic. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we have performance marketing, we have copywriting, um, social media. So kind of, kind of all of the above, but, um, you know, we all sit together as a team. And so I think that the, the, the beauty is that we're all kind of under one roof and, and all together. And so everybody kind of goes through some sort of training and say, Hey, this is what Clayton Kroom is. This is what we're not. Um, again, we're not the best at it. We're, we're, we're going through the archetypes of branding now with, uh, with our business and just trying to continue to fine tune who we are and who we're not. Uh, but I think if you, open up Instagram or get on our website, like a lot of people can tell right away. It's like, okay, like I get this look and feel this is elevated. Yeah. You know, this is nice. This is premium. Um, so, and, and I think like, you know, from a, a copy and a content perspective, just being able to do it over and over and over. I mean, we do many, many photo shoots a year. We send, you know, we sent 212 emails last year. So, uh, you write 212 yeah. emails, you can get pretty dang good at it. So, yeah, no, it's, I think I shared with you that, you know, even within the context of our brand, one of the, the thing we can that we've been struggling with lately is just imagery and, and copywriting, tone of voice, just, you know, and that's a hard thing to, it's kind of a, it's a thing, you know, if, for example, you're Tyler and Clay, you kind of understand because you created it, you get it. It's an, it's, it's innate. Um, and then you were all, you just kind of got immersed into it just through being there from the beginning and, and, and working in the business in every capacity and spending just tons of time with them. And, and then, you know, so that was kind of imputed to you. And then, you know, as you go forward, you're trying to, you know, you're, the, the thing scales, you need to do more of it, you need to do it faster. And so you're trying to add people to a team and then you don't have the luxury of like, hey, all these guys or gals are going to have the same opportunity to come in and make wallets and spend a bunch of time with the owners. And that's just not going to happen. So then that's what starts to necessitate these tools to figure out hmm, what are ways that we can, you know, impute the brand to people. It's funny in that word impute. I think if you look back, I think it was Mike Markola that was the, the initial guy with Apple, they wrote their marketing plan. And I remember that that was a big part of what they said in their initial marketing plan is they were going to impute the values of their brand to people. That was a big objective, you know, that they had. So it's fascinating to me, the process of figuring out how to do that and do it well. Um, let's move to, I wanted to ask you about, um, obviously you guys have been in retail and online, but over the last couple of years, you've made a push into our industry, a very, you know, a significant, uh, movement into our industry. And I wanted to talk a little bit about if you could speak to that um, and, and kind of like what was the thinking there and why? Because I know like, um, you know, a couple of years ago, I'd reach out, we'd do some things for our customers, but it was clearly not 
a focus, but it's it's much more a focus today. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the thinking there and why that push has been has been made? Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> kind of happened serendipitously. Really, it was you know our foundation here in Louisville or at surrounding bourbon country, horse country kind of thing. Uh, people actually, when we were on a, a thousand square foot space on Bardstown Road, uh, Maker's Mark knocked on our door six years ago, and they have just been. Uh, ones to always be in the know of any kind of craftsmanship artists and things that are happening maybe in and around the region. Uh, but they had walked in the door five or six years ago and said, Hey, what are you guys doing in here? Uh, and we were like, Hey, we're, we're making leather goods. And they said, Hey, can we, can we do something with you? Um, that was really kind of the, the maybe the, the idea or, or where it started. But um, yeah, I just think uh, it kind of happened serendipitously. I think people started coming to us saying, Hey, can you guys put a logo on this? Hey, can you make us some rocks glasses for our store? Or Hey, can you make us these, you know, wallets that we can sell in our boutiques or, or whatever. And so, um, <clears throat> that's kind of how it, how it happened in rewinding a little bit, really how Clayton crew honestly started, which is funny that you asked this, but, uh, t- when Clay was making some products in his dorm room, t- they were members of Fiji, uh, fraternity at Western. They were going to the national sales conference and every year they went, Tyler said they got just like, you know, lip balm or sunglasses yep. or something you'd probably throw away. It'd be in the bottom of the trash can by the time you left there. And so he kind of pitched them this idea, said, Hey, can we, you know, we have a leather goods, you know, my buddy makes leather goods. What can we, can we make you some keychains for your event? And they said, sure. Give us, I don't know, 10,000 of them or something like some, some ridiculous number. Yep. And so it's a really funny story behind that, but that's really how Clay Ingram started was, you know, Clay made a belt, but we got this big order that, uh, that Clay and Tyler had stayed up countless hours working on. And, yeah. and that was really like the idea of maybe where wholesale had kind of started. But yeah, the, the last couple of years, wholesale has been, we call it wholesale corporate gifting, um, <clears throat> has been awesome. You know, working with and partnering with all the distilleries in the in Kentucky and in and around the region, building those relationships. You know, that's one thing that we do at Clayton Kroom uh, and that we pride ourselves on is building relationships with people. But uh, we started... Uh, started to get into that a little bit and it has just kind of spread like wildfire fire and more like word of mouth, really. Um, people saying, Hey, you know, Clayton Kroom has this or, and from a marketing perspective, like we push it a little bit more now too, uh, that, that that's growing. So they got a team of, of four or five and, uh, we have opportunities to do onsite activations where we travel to events and we started going to, uh, different shows and we team up with a bunch of golf courses around the country doing member, member, member guests tournaments. And so it's been a, it's been a, an additional revenue channel that uh, has really helped the business, but also just being able to provide, you know, different touch points for people and different introductions yeah. to, to Clayton Kerr. Yeah, no, it's um, I think what you were alluding to, and this is actually I think what I saw about a year ago was when Tyler had posted what, on on LinkedIn. I think he reiterated the story you just told and then he linked to that. There was a fast company article called Can We Finally Kill Off Cheap Disposable Conference Swag? Um and what was kind of funny, like when I saw it, I remember at first bristling a little bit, kind of like, oh, but like you're kind of in that space. But I would say, as I sit here today, I fully agree with it, which is in the movement that I see in our industry is strong, I think, away from um, quantity and movement toward quality and toward brands. Um, you know, I, I don't know, uh, not to mention another brand on here, but uh, there's a a speaker called turtle box, which I had never known anything about, but it's basically like this just hard plastic waterproof, just super rugged speaker. And I had a client ask about it and it was just another reinforcement that we're seeing our clients merge. What I, what I've described it as is they're merging their personal life 
and their corporate life. Whereas there used to be a huge separation. It was, you know, people use things in their personal life and then they use things when it came to corporate gifting, but it's all merging and they're getting much more to the point of like, Hey, if I like this in my personal life, I want to buy it and I want to give it to my customers. Um, yeah. So that's, you know, I think that's just been an excellent movement. And I think you guys are obviously timed really well for it. Um, okay. So obviously you guys have grown a lot. You have a team now. There's a lot of resources. One of the questions I really like to ask, and I mentioned I would ask this, people listening to this, they're trying to you know build brands. They'll probably have you know some little nuggets here and there to pick up on. But it's, depending on the level of resources they have to go and actually execute their own brand, what kind of advice or pointers would you have for people if they're starting out and they, you know, it's kind of like I always ask it, like, you know, people who don't have much in the way of resources at all, maybe mid-level, high-level. Um, yeah, just like if they're looking at the Clayton and Croom brand and they go, man, I really, you know, whether it's the same exact aesthetic or not, I love what they're doing. I would love to do the same kind of thing for my brand, but I don't have near the resources they do. What would be kind of your recommendation on how to get started? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. I think I was in this position uh, six, seven years ago, and I was asking myself the same thing. And so I, I would almost answer that question from a business standpoint and maybe not even a, a marketing branding standpoint. For me, you know, going back to the conversation of uh, tailgating belts, right? We had these canvas belts that we were all in on, and we essentially had cut them because we wanted to move into the future of, you know, what Clayton and Kroom could be, you know, in 10, 20, 30 years. And so, um, I would tell people really like follow the cash, right? It's not forever, but like if something is working and you found your niche, your niche and you know, you're starting something out, like don't, don't be so prideful that, Hey, I'm going to, you know, uh, I'm going to stand on this mountain or I'm going to die on this hill mm-hmm. um, just because this is what I want. Like really like how you invest in your business and how you build it, it can look completely different day one and day, uh, you know, day a hundred, but really it's, it's, it's follow the cash, work really hard, put your head down and just try to figure it out along the way. Like I said, I came into Clayton Crim thinking, Hey, I'm going to do this, you know, big marketing ploy for them. And, and we're going to build a big team and we're going to do all this. And really like it took seven, like, gr- like grueling grinding years. It's, I yeah. mean, it's been a labor of love. And so for people that are starting, it's, it's just get out there see what's working, try to, try to, you know, build a service for somebody that somebody likes or a product, whatever that might be. And then obviously the biggest thing for us is what we found super successful. That isn't even really that tangible, but just having service for people or providing a service, like building rapport and relationships with them. I think if we're humans, we're selling to humans, we're all humans. So like, if you can be trustworthy, if you can be reliable, you can be dependent. Um, I think from a starting standpoint, like now is the time. Now are the the early years are the yes years. Like you have to say yes to a lot of things, um, and so uh, that's what that's what we did re- really early on. And then you know we were kind of chatting about this, but find people that are scrappy, right? Yeah. You're going to be scrappy in your own business. You have to be scrappy in your own business. Find people that will be scrappy with you, and that's probably individuals with an entrepreneurial spirit that you know, might not work out in the corporate world in a big, you know, fortune 500 company, but people that are out there that are willing to, to grind. And, and we have guys and, and gals that have just absolutely grinded for, for Clayton Groom and Tyler and Clay had kind of set that mentality early on. And, and, uh, we've seen the, the, the fruits of our labor and everybody kind of 
gets to put their fingerprint on it um, and and be able to build it and and build this big team and build this brand. And, and for us, like we want to be around for a hundred years. Um, and so how do you do that? How do you grow and how do you grow smart? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would say the, the, the early years are the, are the yes years. Yeah, no, it's good. You know, one of, I, I appreciate a lot the thing that you, you know, what you guys say about whatever it takes. Um, that's something that obviously can res- resonates a lot with me at where, where we're at. I mean, we're eight years old. We're a team of about 10 to 12. Um, and it, and it, it is very much, you wear a lot of hats. I mean, you mentioned to me yesterday, you're like, Hey man, you know, I was doing inventory. I mean, even at this stage in the game, you know, I was in there doing inventory. I mean, you're still a, you're still a person that very much buys into that idea of whatever it takes. And I, I think I've, I said this to you yesterday, but I really do. Um, as the owner of my company and then spending time talking to you, your ownership mentality as the leader of the, you know, as a director of marketing really hit me and finding um, people who are not technically owners, but, but to treat the business like they own it, you know, have that same mentality is it's difficult. And, um, you know, I, I just, I just respected it a lot. Just, you know, listening to you talk about, cause I asked you a question, we're, we're kind of out of time. We won't really go into it, but I had asked you a question about budgeting and how, you know, how do you go about getting budgets to execute on the different things? And you were very quick to be like, you know, Hey, I gotta be scrappy. I usually try to start. If I have an idea that's something new, I got to kind of prove it first, you know, and I got to do that in a very bootstrap scrappy way and then go to them and say, Hey, I've done this. I think if we, we pour some gasoline on this, so to speak, we can take these little results here and, and, and multiply them. And, um, you know, so it's not like, you know, I think a lot of people see brands like Clayton and Croom or they see marketing people and they sometimes think that they kind of walk around thinking they got a blank check. That is definitely not the sense that I got from our conversation at all. I mean, you were man, you're tending the shop very much like you own the place. Yeah. I think the, the, I think it's a personality trait, but really I think it all goes back to me kind of wanting to, to have the autonomy and to have the ability to test my skills against the market and against other people and competitors and really just use my knowledge and, and gut intuition and feelings of saying, Hey, how can we do this? Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, when, when you see it, when you're, you're the third employee there, you see it from early stages, but even today, you know, with 40, 50, 60 employees, like we try to have that mentality all throughout the, the business. When, when people come in, having a sense of accountability, having a sense of ownership, um, having the autonomy, we've always operated that way. And that's how we hire people. We, we tell them you have a blank canvas. We will guide you in some sort of direction, but here is the expectations and the, the, the clarity that we're, we're trying to provide. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a, been a lot of fun, but it's, it's definitely still a, a startup and definitely still got to be uh, scrappy with it. But yeah, I, I, I truly enjoy it. Yeah, man, it's awesome. I'm, I'm excited to see what the future holds. I'm also excited to see how we can expand um, our partnership with you guys and how we're, you know, promoting and, and, um, communicating the Clayton and crew offering to our customers. Cause I think obviously it fits really well with our brand fits very well with the um, customer and employee gifting needs that our customers have, especially throughout the year. So Jeff, I can't thank you enough for doing this. I, um, I really do. I mean, you're right. You're very, you're very much right about the fact that like, I love everything from the aesthetic uh, of the Clayton Croom brand. Um, love the fact that I got to do this conversation with you so that people can learn a little bit of what goes on behind the scenes to create it and hopefully pick some things up um, along the way that maybe can help them. Can you tell people if they want to tell them the best ways to maybe connect with you and, and with Clayton Croom? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> you can DM us on Clayton and crew, uh, on our Instagram. Cause I see those, uh, uh, my LinkedIn, Jeff Arsenault. And then, um, <clears throat> you can email me Jeff at Clayton and Um, 
um, that's my my work email as well. So yeah, I always love to to connect with people, especially if you know someone's local to Louisville and wanting to learn a bit of, a little bit about what we do and and you know future career opportunities is always good. We're always you know always looking and and prospecting and, and things like that as well. So uh, you know we have a lot of talent here in the city, and so we'd be happy to talk to uh, you know anybody that has future aspirations or even the entrepreneurial bug that they're saying, hey, I, I need to itch this thing. So uh, that's what uh, that's what we like to do. Well, and I should mention that uh, in addition to all the things that you guys are doing with the retail stores, the online and our industry, you guys do some pretty cool events. I actually went to the uh, Oaks Brunch um, last year and I, and it sounded from what you told me yesterday, that's something that's going to happen again. So people can keep their eye out for some of the, you know, again, if you get to the Louisville area, don't know if you guys do it in Charleston, but definitely in Louisville, there's these events that you do and they're super cool as well. Yeah, I didn't even get to tell you about our uh, historic 1840s building that was Muhammad Ali's former boxing gym. <laughs> uh, yeah. We have a lot of a, a lot of cool stuff that are at our flagship store, but yeah, we do a lot of events up there. We do our annual Oaks Day brunch, so um, that happens on the day before Derby. So yeah, that's a ton of fun. Um, <clears throat> we got to do a lot of barrel picks. We have actually some really cool stuff coming up with Garden and Gun as well. Um, so we'll be activating that space up, up there. So yeah, uh, all of our tickets and everything is all online at ClaytonCrew.com. Um, and slide over to the events tab. So we have uh, ticketing and information and all, everything on there. Jeff, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll look forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, let's do it again. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brand Herald podcast. For more information, please visit thebrandherald.com. Also, please subscribe to our show and follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things branding. Thanks again for listening.